Welcome back, guys, to the Overlap Pod. I'm joined once again by my friend, Rion, who is a new working man, a union man. Not, well, not really a union man, but <laughs> he's, he's a working man, uh, moved up to New York, so we're finally going to be doing a lot more of the pods in person. So it's good to see you, man. Glad you, uh, glad you moved up. Everything's okay? Yeah, yeah, good to see you, too. Um, very nice that this is going to be a lot easier for us to do. So yeah. my, my office is fifty is a 15-minute walk from Elise's apartment. So. Yeah, and I'm located at... No, I'm kidding. So, um, <laughs> no, yeah, we, um, we're going to be doing a lot more of these in person, watching games, uh, being able to analyze them, too, um, instead of being in two different cities, which is awesome. So today's pod is pretty much going to be unique to all of this past weekend's league games. I know today we're recording on a Wednesday and the Champions League just happened, but look out for that pod a little bit later um, in the week. And this this pod's really all about this past weekend. I mean, the title is The Big Boys Drop Big Points, and uh, that's both in England and Spain. So we're going to kick off a little bit, talking a little bit about United Liverpool, and then we'll uh, we'll transition over to La Liga. Does that sound good? Yes, sir. Word. And uh, started off, we had a friend join the pod today for uh, to speak a little bit about United and Liverpool. We had our friend Andy on. So to talk about the United and Liverpool game from this past weekend, we brought on our friend Andy Much. So Andy, thanks for joining us today. Hey. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you became a fan of Liverpool FC? Yeah, so uh, back in high school, a bunch of my friends were picking Premier League teams, and so I decided to snoop around on uh, – Premier League chart and see uh, what the teams were and saw Liverpool and saw they were founded in uh, 1892 and that just so happens to be when my family's company was founded so I thought uh, I'd start there and look more into them and uh, haven't looked back since so yeah and you and you got to visit Anfield right I I remember you seeing seeing your pictures when you were studying abroad I did I did Best sporting event I've ever been to. Loudest, most passionate. It was a, uh, it's a wonderful time, and it was against Southampton when uh, Van Dyke was still on Southampton. So yeah, that must have been that must have been a time. I mean, he was fantastic for them back then. That's why you guys paid such a high fee for him. But that's definitely an amazing Absolutely. experience. So I know, obviously, this past weekend wasn't amazing uh, for for you guys, but I mean, Rian. Yeah, where do we start? Yeah, yeah. When the game, um, when the game ended, you texted us and you said you had some, you had some thoughts on it. You really wanted to be on this episode, so tell us, tell yeah. us what, what, what do you want to discuss today about the game? Yeah, so I mean, after you know, thinking and yelling into a pillow and you know, doing all that stuff, I just <laughs> we played, we we were shit. But I think two huge takeaways we can we can look at here is we're still undefeated. Actually, three. We're still undefeated. But another one is how important Salah is to this offense and how much he does up front. And then also the midfield needs to be addressed. And um, I don't know if you're going to get to it later on, but with the Champions League and everything, I haven't looked at everything yet, but... Um, Ox did a wonderful job. I think uh, we might see him this Sunday against Tottenham um, instead of Henderson, who is just shitting the bed. 
Uh, <laughs> even though I think he's a great leader, I think he's more of a bench player right now. So uh, I don't, I don't cube. disagree. I don't disagree with the quality uh, that out of those three guys of like Wijnaldum, uh, Fabinho, Henderson. He's definitely the horse in terms of quality. It will be very interesting to see if Klopp actually drops him, seeing that he's the captain, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I I thought when Aldum had a good start um, to the game, and then uh, Fabinho was okay, but Henderson, I just I don't know what the heck he was doing. I don't know if he was still on his international break, but it just wasn't looking too great for that midfield. Yes, the menu was pressuring them, but didn't help that we had no fluidity. The passing was slow. The pace was not what Liverpool is or not what it was what we saw in the last 10-ish minutes of the game. That was the Liverpool we know, the top of the the charts Liverpool. And uh, it was nice to see that at the end of the game. But uh, also nice to see Lallana get in there with a, a nice goal. Yeah, um, I completely nice forgot that he was still on this team. Story, <laughs> and, you know, no one thought he was going to really come back. I guess, but it was cool. But once, once you know, the midfield kind of was getting subbed out. Kata came on. I thought he provided a lot of stability. Yeah, I think he's going to be really important going forward. I think Kata. I think Kata might be the most important in terms of uh, getting that creativity in the midfield because he came on. He was like instantly. <laughs> the most, the best uh, midfield player you guys have in terms of actually playing balls forward. <laughs> so, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just, I'm hoping maybe we can get Henderson out for a game or two, especially against shit Tottenham. Like, we we can definitely you know play around a little bit with the lineup. Um, another thing, uh, Marcus Atkinson. Oh, Martin, no, Atkinson. Martin Atkinson. Martin Atkinson. <laughs> he is a prick and a half. <laughs> how, do you, how do you not call that foul on Origi? I mean, I get the handball with Mane, like with the handball, the VAR rule, it's somewhat bullshit, but um, I just, I don't know, going back, looking at it, it's a clear foul. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like the whole game, I think I read some stat that, Liverpool led in possession, but Menu led in fouls or something like that, which makes no sense. I don't know what it, the call was or what it was. The, all the calls that Menu got from all the challenges that were fouls that happened the same exact to Liverpool weren't called at all. And I just, I, that's what made me so furious about like, the whole match was the, the officiating. And I just, I don't, you, I don't know if Man used board, you know, slipped them a few extra pounds. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about all that. I, think, I mean, there weren't really fouls. I don't think, personally, there were fouls called much on either side, if I'm being totally honest. It seemed like it seemed like the uh, Atkinson was letting a lot of stuff go, which is why I, I did play, me and Elise went and watched this game together, um, I did play a little devil's advocate in terms of the uh, not calling that foul, because like you, me and Ellie's also both agreed in the moment, absolutely, it's a foul. But if I'm going to play devil's advocate, he didn't call 
like a, a, a very many fouls in general. Literally, but, like anything, like everything went pretty much. He, he, it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty shocking performance from from Atkinson, um, just because he didn't call many fouls, like things that are textbook fouls. But if I'm gonna play devil's advocate on on the VAR on this one, he hasn't, he wasn't really calling those fouls all day, and I guess, I guess maybe the VARF can look at it and say, oh, well, he hasn't been calling these all day, so it wouldn't be that crazy for... It wouldn't be crazy to, not, to like, leave this as is. And that's just, like, another separate discussion that we could have in the future about VAR, whether the style of play I'm a or... Listener. I know you guys talk about it a lot. No, no, I mean... Well, well, I mean, one of the things that I don't think we've... That I don't think we've brought up before, really, is whether that video assistant referee should adhere to how the game has been being called throughout the day, right? Because there's always the dichotomy of what the ref is actually allowing to let happen and what is, like, a textbook foul. Like, that, on the goal, that was, like, a by-the-book should, it should have been a foul, and, it's gonna, and it would have been called by, you know... No, I'm not going to say 9 out of 10, probably like 7 out of 10 uh, other English referees. But on the day, he just, he just didn't call him any fouls in general. So I, I thought he was just bad overall. And, and you know, that, that obviously that, VR, that, uh, that goal was like a symptom of it. And then what about the, in like the 90-something minute, uh, Fred's, you know, handball in the box defending. Oh, no, no, no. That hit is, that hit is so that, hit is, that was not close. That wasn't remotely. That wasn't remotely. That's, that's disgusting. <laughs> that hit his shoulder. That was obviously his shoulder. I don't know. part of his armor. Yeah, I think, I think you're going to have a very hard argument to make with that. Um, but I can, I can see where a lot of Liverpool fans would feel hard done by from this game. Um, and, and kind of like Rian said, like there's a conversation to be had about where and how the, the game is being called versus what the correct call is for VAR, which isn't a conversation that I think a lot of people have had or seen before. So that's going to be interesting, especially in the later rounds of the champions league. Um, and, and along the lines of how much of a game can that decide? Yeah. I, I, Going back to the game and everything, um, you know, forget the VAR. I thought, you know, we we played like all right against Menu and Old Trafford. We haven't. I don't think we've won or we've won twice in the past like decade there. So, I mean, obviously, everyone, all Liverpool fans, are going in with high hopes, and uh, you know, they're high on the whole undefeated. Um, undefeatedness of the whole season so far and you know man used shit team so everyone was, was thinking oh this is going to be an easy win um but I mean, it should have been honestly it should it should have been it should have been a very easy win to be to be completely honest but but uh yeah, but no not when not we've been on the slow bird since the past like four matches maybe maybe since the first international break we haven't looked the same since that Champions League team or before the international break and I think Klopp needs to figure out this midfield I think the Champions League games are a good way to test that um, because let's be honest Liverpool wants a Premier League win or a title so um, 
I think we need to focus on the Premier League, focus on, um, you know, the, the flaws of our team, which are not few, but you can name them. It's the midfield. And, um, you know, the confidence going into the next game should be should be extra good because I think we were a little too comfortable and a little too lackadaisical against Man U. Yeah, that's fair. So I guess I'll bring us to our last question for you before we let you head out here. You know, you touched on the title there. So obviously it sounds like for you winning the Premier League title, anything less than winning the Premier League title is a failure for this season? Uh, yeah, because we lost by a point last year, and that was a great team, obviously. Um, and we still are a great team. And I think, you know, that's another point. We lost by a point last year, but we got a point against Man U, and that could change everything. I mean, I think Man City's – how many points have they lost? It's well, like they're six points. They're six points back. They, they, yeah, they're six points back. Um, yeah, so they were eight. They were eight going to the weekend. They picked up a couple points on you guys this weekend. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's a nice lead, but I mean, still, it's you know, we haven't even gotten halfway through the season, and it's um, six points is a nice lead, but not a, a big enough lead. So. Um, it'll be interesting. I think November 10th is the big one, uh, Man City-Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so that's be exciting. And that'll that'll show uh, true colors and who, who's going to be the big winner, for the, I think, in the Premier League. Well, it'll, it'll definitely go a long way to, uh, to I guess, confidence going into uh, going to the December period, going to the holiday period especially. Yeah. Yeah, well... We do have a couple of, of big games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, you touched on Liverpool-Tottenham uh, this coming Sunday at 12.30 Eastern. Um, I know a lot of people will certainly be tuned into that. And will definitely be interesting if uh, Tottenham could, <laughs> could squeeze out what yeah. United squeeze yeah. out. Yeah, actually the last one here, Andy, you want to give us a little prediction before we let you go on that, on that game? Yeah, so I will be watching in New York with, uh, I hope you guys, and also uh, our resident... Tottenham fan Desmond so that should be a nice <laughs> shit show uh, for him uh, yeah trying to get all of them in what else could we say about him being a Tottenham fan uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna say 3-0 3-0 it is at Anfield so uh, that's yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I know a certain result that was one goal bigger that I can uh, I can name. So I've seen teams crumble there. No, I'm not bitter. I think. Well, Salah Salah's back, and I think you know we're going to look at the mid- midfield and play around with a little bit, and I think it's going to help. Also, Firmino needs to you know get back in the game a little bit more. That was another one wanted to bring up. I think his, I heard his name called three times in the Man U-Liverpool match. I mean, he had a, just yeah, a shit-tier miss with the the early chance yeah. where he just skied yeah. the ball. Yeah. But, yeah, beyond that, he yeah, was I thought, Yeah, I thought he had a tough game. I think Ellis and I will get, we'll get into that as well, why, why, I, think, yeah. why I think he had a, such a tough time. But, um, but outside of that, that I, I, a 3-0 uh, win. Tottenham doesn't have a chance. So, <laughs> Reds. Uh, Liverpool's going to bring, bring in, uh, three points home there. All right. 
Well, thank you very much for joining us again, Andy. Um, much good luck to you and uh, the rest of Liverpool for the rest of the season. Maybe, maybe you guys will finally get a Premier League title. So maybe, maybe. <laughs> I think this is the year, man. I think it is. <laughs> but thank you so much. Cheers. Take care, Andy. Bye, Andy. Yep. All right. So that was a little bit from our friend Andy, well, as well as ourselves. We're still included in that. But, um, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit more about United-Liverpool here because we, we actually watched this game together. Uh, this is one of our first games in a while that we got to watch a game together with. And we had a lot of similar thoughts on, on really how the game went. Um, obviously, we talked about it during the game and after the game, but... This was this was a different United side from what we've seen in the past several weeks, right? They, in Rion's words, they were competent and surprisingly competent. Yeah, yeah. I literally said to Ellis after the goal score, after our Rafa scored. Well, first thing I said was, "Wow, amazing what happens when he actually gets some service. <laughs> he actually gets like decent service um, into the box too, because he's just been starving for chances." Yeah, what a concept. Um, yeah, amazing concept. But no, and, and then also, maybe the first time in like three or four weeks, maybe a month, um, that Manchester United put together 15 to 20 seconds of, of just confident attacking play, and it, and it gets them a goal. Um, no, it was, it was really, it was, I personally was impressed um, by United. You know, you could be, I guess, upset. If you're a United fan, that oh they went and they played like defensively, they went and they you know this was like a small club mentality or whatever. <laughs> this, but, is a, this is a Mourinho esque mentality. Yeah, no, yeah, but but in all honesty, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's past jobs have been um, a Norwegian team that was like obviously the best team in Norway, so they were just destroying everyone, and then trying to save Crystal Palace from relegation. <laughs> Uh, granted that or not Crystal Palace, sorry, I think it was Cardiff. Cardiff and yeah. and, and uh, granted that did not go well, but <laughs> but in all honesty, this was more of a comfortable way for him to manage <laughs> than you know playing teams that are not as good and actually trying to come up with ways to attack. This this is the team that we said before the season. Obviously, their best mode of attack is counters, like because they have nothing else. <laughs> they they can't create chances outside <laughs> of that, and they've been worse at it than we expected. But right. you know, I I personally am going to give them a lot of credit because I think they implant, implemented the a very similar game plan to the one that you know I've been saying that teams have been using against Liverpool a lot more the last few weeks. Basically, again, basically since. Uh, the Chelsea game, where obviously Chelsea didn't win, but but they kind of limited Liverpool's chances outside of um, set pieces, um, and then everyone else has been doing that too. The blocking off service to Roberto Firmino, um, pressuring the fullbacks immediately as they touch the ball, and United did it well here. And United back line and defense is actually. Above average, quite above average, actually. You know, they're, they're still they're still leading in terms of um, expected goals allowed. So, you know, the, the defense is not the problem, and you know they did a great. Jo- I think they did a great job. I have to give a lot of credit to, to Ole in here. Um, where I will turn to Elias now. <laughs> Do we give more credit to United, or was this basically just Liverpool had an off day? 
can you make these? Do you make the excuse of it was after the international break, so maybe they weren't fully up to it. Maybe they also were just super overconfident, or I've even heard that you know maybe they maybe they like gave United too much respect in terms of you know they played the occasion more than actual like form of the other team or something like that. Yeah, um, my short answer is no. That that's my very short answer. I don't give a lot of credit to Ole for this, and here's why: Liverpool, when they've come into Manchester United Stadium for the last several years, um, have not been able to get a win. It's a very tough fixture to go to. Uh, granted, it's it's an Achilles heel for Liverpool, essentially, regardless of how well they've done last year, this year, and in years prior. It's a very very notorious place to go. On top of that, and I didn't know this actually until. I think halftime during this game and Rihanna and I saw the statistic that once Man U lead at halftime at home, they never lost a game. They have not ever lost a game in that stadium one leading at halftime, which is even more incredible. Granted the, the 15, 20 seconds of, of competent attacking play, as we say that led to the goal was impressive. And that was a short period of time, but it obviously gave them what they needed to get a point from this game. But here's why I don't give Ole credit, right? Liverpool came into this game, one, with no Mo Salah, and two, with a midfield that is starting to get figured out. And I think that because they're a little bit slow in midfield now, especially compared to to the last two years, and we're kind of seeing you know an aging process almost, if you will, in, in Henderson and Milner especially, they showed cracks of, of slowing down. They showed their weaknesses in, in defense. I have never seen this season compared to the last couple of seasons um, such a wide difference in defensive spacing between Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I think that their defensive <laughs> vulnerabilities were exposed entirely during this game. There was so much space. And you see in the first goal behind Robertson on, on that right-hand side and there was there was so much wrong with Liverpool in this game from a structural perspective that while United aren't an incredible team, they do have some talent. Any bit of talent was would be able to expose an off-form Liverpool as they played that day. And I think that if you put, say, a better team, like let's say a City, let's say even Arsenal, into that, that perspective and you put them in their home stadium against Liverpool playing the way they did, I think they get a win. So I don't actually give Ole a lot of credit for that. I, I just think it was Liverpool having a very bad performance. And on top of that, I, I just don't think United are that good of a team. No, no, they're not. I mean, I have to give them credit for being able to exploit those weaknesses, right? I mean... But how much is that is down to him? Like, I think the players did a really good job in that. But, like, I don't think – I think the only thing that he may have done well is is setting up the back line properly. But even then, the personnel was like Ro- – Marcus Rojo played this game. We both acknowledge that. Yes, yes. Marcus Rojo played this Great. game. Uh, Twan Zabi got injured right before it. But, yeah, I did say in the second half, you know, as long as Rojo's on the field, there's still a great chance Liverpool will probably get a goal. And <laughs> That was, like, minutes before and, the, and the and second I, goal. And I, I mean, I've seen people, you know, slagging off um, Ashley Young for that goal because I guess it was, like, on his side. But if you look at the replay again, Rojo is literally standing. 
standing next to Lalana before the cross gets played, and then runs away from him <laughs> to I to like towards towards like Harry Maguire in the middle and to I guess try to stop the cross. And he actually is there. He could have stopped the cross and just misses it. And 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 Lalana's literally all his own. So yes, I mean I, I just I'll give him I'm getting. I, I'm giving only zero credit the entire season. I have to give him. I have to give him at least some credit for at least realizing um, the deficiencies of Liverpool and, and setting the team up well. Even though I think that's the only way he knows how to set up teams. But yes, you know. that's that's actually another point. He's very one dimensional. Yeah, and that hasn't changed like in any game this season. So yeah. like, yeah, what like where am I supposed to give him credit for doing the same thing over and over again and and. You know, being a clock that is right twice a, twice a day, like sure, like I'll give him credit for that. But I still don't think that he is the coach for United. I don't. Then again, I don't. I think United have a lot of their own problems. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. I think he's also a scapegoat in that respect. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's it, it was. I don't give him that much credit, but it was good for them to pick up a point because they needed it. <laughs> right. Exactly. And uh, next up for Liverpool is. A home match against Tottenham. Um, obviously, we talked about it a little bit with Andy there, so that'll be that'll be a great game to watch. Um, I, I mean, I thought they were going to batter United, but at least I guess because they were away, I guess that can always kind of throw some variance into it. But I but I really expect them to batter Tottenham. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see though. Um, and on the other side, on the other side, you have um, Manchester United going away to. 19th Norwich, who've been quite horrible for the last... Basically since the City win. The City win was like... Basically broke them. (laughs) Where's Pookie? It was literally... It was literally the the Thanos meme um, when he he, he sacrifices Gamora. It was literally Norwich. That was the Soul Stone. Beating Manchester City was literally them achieving the Soul Stone, and now they might get relegated because of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, their season's going downhill, and it's a shame Pookie is not up to form as he was. But hey, he had a great start, so that's that's something. <laughs> uh, we'll see if he's there next season. But man, th- this whole this is just a weird weekend again. Like for two very decent teams, and. I mean, are you ready to move on to, yes, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to this to roast of, of Unai Emery? Or? Oh, I'm ready to move on. So this past Monday, <laughs> we saw um, Arsenal travel to Sheffield. Uh, and I'll just... I got to start off. Sheffield wins 1-0. Um, granted, their goal is off, off of a corner, but... It doesn't, no, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, because no, they did well. They, they're... One of the my most entertaining teams to watch in the Premier League. It's just so fun to watch them. Granted, Ellie, Ellie said before that we started this uh, recording, he's like, "Oh, they're not good. They're exciting, <laughs> but I, I think they actually are good." But um, you know, ninth for a team that just got promoted is pretty damn good. Um, they're, they're like three points ahead of United, so <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But um, no, they're just there. If people get a chance to watch them, if you get a chance and they're on the TV, it doesn't really matter who they're playing. I mean, um, they do the same thing every time. You know, they they have their three center backs and their outside center backs routinely overlap, and it's and it's just great to watch. It's just so different. It's just cool to see a team doing something different. They create a lot of triangles on the wings, which is just 
<laughs> so odd to watch, <laughs> but, but but it works for them, and they dominate Arsenal on the wings, and and have to give them a lot of credit. They they were great, um, but can, can, I I just I have to I, okay. Jay. I know you're listening to this. I, I, I just I need to roast him. He on Saturday or whatever it was when Spurs lost. He was like, "Oh yeah, of course they lost because we're gonna just." And I quote. Pound Sheffield United, and this is the product of talking before a game happens. No, no, it was great. He had the prediction correct at the beginning. He said, "This is all leading up to an Arsenal loss on Monday <laughs> <laughs> Sheffield," and then followed up with, ah, "Who am I kidding? We're going to pound them." Yes, was yes. So, he, was, he knew it. He knew it in his heart what was going to happen. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. So let's move on to the Arsenal side here. Um, the lack of creativity from their midfield is. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> I and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Elias. But I saw a great tweet on, on the weekend that really summed, summed it up about your boy Danny Ceballos. So a great tweet. Um, what was it mine about how he doesn't start for Arsenal? Or yeah, no, it was my reply to it <laughs> I, <laughs> that that um, Real Madrid doesn't let. Good players go. Dude, they don't let good players. That's why they literally the truth is like Real Madrid doesn't let ballers go. Yeah. That's why they have days of studying abroad for this year. <laughs> like, they don't let actually good play like very good players go. Right. You know, like who they given up recently? They let Ozil go, obviously, it's like six years ago, and Ozil mixed bag for Arsenal, but genuinely had quality. But obviously, yeah. all, <laughs> the deficiencies were were just. Highlighted um, even greater in the Premier League, but just like the other people, they've given up in the past. So who's been like, who's gone out and killed it after leaving <laughs> Real Madrid? Like, I, no one. Basically, no one. I can't think of anyone. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm trying to think of a name right now. James, no. Um, most recently, yeah. Who's gone on loan? I mean, a lot of youth players. No one that Odegaard. I guess, yeah, but they didn't let him. But yeah, that's fair. Yes, but he, but yeah. he, he has a definite spot in that right in team. In a couple of years at the very yeah. least, and he's much younger than Ceballos. Right. Right. Well, I mean, maybe by, by three years, but still, you know, there's obviously there's a bigger. Room he's to he's grow. youthful. He's youthful. Yeah, there's a bigger room to grow. They let they let Kovacic go to Chelsea, and and Kovacic just isn't. I, I think actually partially Kovacic is. Just no one really knew what his best best position was because he was played in the number ten a lot, but he's actually he's not a number ten. He's an eight. Um, yeah, yeah. He, and and sorry, tried to do that a little bit, and then by the end of last season, they started playing an eight. So I I just he just wasn't like a Galactico type yeah, player. Yeah. So yeah. again, um, for Arsenal in general, though, uh, the creativity <clears throat> in midfield is, is stunning. You know, um, they get. Almost no chances. Guendouzi actually might be their most creative midfield uh, center midfielder, I suppose, outside of the theory of Danny Ceballos. But, but like, they don't get much up to those uh, up to those attackers, and basically just hoping that Aubameyang bails them out. That's pretty much that's pretty much it. That's pretty much like Emery's attacking philosophy with Arsenal. Uh, what, are you seeing the same? Yeah. Defend Unai Emery. I, okay. With the talent that Unai Emery has had, both at Arsenal, PSG, and Sevilla, 
he has won trophies. He has something to show for, right? That has to alone count for something. Regardless of performance, the job of a manager is to win trophies. That's going to come back to bite me in the ass because you could say the same thing about Ernesto Valverde, but that's a totally different subject. <laughs> but my point is for Unai Emery, he has done decently well when it comes to at least doing what clubs bare minimally expect of him when it comes to performing near at results or above of what a board would want yeah i think i think it becomes a question of how impactful he actually has been i don't i go back and forth on this all the time because i think he really is a good manager i think he has incredible tactical awareness but i think his one of his biggest flaws is squad management and i think that he's not the personality and he's not He's not really that character to manage a locker room of people. Like, I can't even imagine if he was at Spurs right now and he was managing that locker room. That I, I, I think he would crumble already. That's I think he would have been fired already from Spurs. But he, he still is like a smart coach, and that's why I don't totally write him off. But when I see stuff like this happen, it makes me think of the mentality of the team, and it makes me think of the mentality of the team that he had at PSG. They did the bare minimum. They won Liga because it's a crap league, but they didn't go much farther than that. Right in the Champions League, we saw the six-one, and it, it's like it's it's a recurring theme. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, so what's been the problem the last five to six years with Arsenal? Just, just if you, I mean, obviously there's been a lot, but but like if you had to think, like, what's the one thing that like you can always count on Arsenal to have deficiency in? For me, I would say it's going away. And getting good results away from home, right? And I thought every team needs to do that. True, yeah. Every good team needs to do that. Even more important, right? yeah. Um, and when Emery came in, he came in and he was like, "We're going to be more. We're going to be uh, a bit more structured defensively. We're gonna. There's going to be basically. He tried to. He tried to show that he was everything that." <laughs> Wenger really wasn't. You know, he tried to show that he, he could bring the attack and stuff, but also have some solidity and, and, you know, have some teeth in terms of defensively. And yet, <laughs> last season, Arsenal's away form put them eighth in the league in terms of points, in terms of expected points. Um, they, they were they're horrible. Their they're non, they're non-penalty expected goal difference was almost minus two. You know, they were so average away from home. And so it got me wondering, well, I wonder how much of a trend this really is. So, you know, you can look at this season as well. They have not been very, they have not been good away from home either, right? Um, away from home this year, they're 10th in terms of points uh, and very average again. So I thought, well, surely this couldn't have been, a, this. it's just this Arsenal team. It's not him, right? So... I went back and looked at his team's performances going back in the past. I'm throwing out everything from League On. I'm throwing out everything from PSG because no shit, they destroy teams away from home. But going back to his final season at Sevilla, can you guess what Sevilla's place, how many points they picked up away from home in his final season? Oh, in his final season? It can- oh... That's actually my, my, like number of points, not where they number fell. Number of points. I'll tell you where they fell, but... N- number of points, I'm going to go with... 12. 
wow, that was not that was not bad. Really? They had nine points. Oh, that's even. Oh, that's they had shocking. nine points, and they were nineteenth in terms of waveform in his final <laughs> season. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, nineteenth. Nineteenth. Oh, they finished fourth that season. They finished. I know. Fourth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they finished fourth, so they, obviously they were amazing at home. But yeah, yeah. But that's. It might not be just the team. <laughs> just, just a thought. Um, you know, we'll, I, I, I don't think that he's. I don't think he's a good enough manager for actually great team. For actually big like expectations. Top, top teams. Clubs. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's good enough. Nine points away from home. That's actually. I. I'm sorry. I, I genuinely didn't know that. I. I knew it was low because his last season was known as like. It, it still had a negative feel to it, even though he did really well at home. And I knew that it was because he dropped a lot of useless points. I did not know that they were like majority was away from home. That's really interesting. Maybe I, I still think he is the coach, at least for the short term, for Arsenal. But because like kind of like what else do you really have yeah. right now? Um, like he's he's the definition of aggressively fine, in my opinion. Like he's aggressively fine, and that he will get the job done. Kind of, there there will certainly be points. Excuse me, where you doubt him, but at the end of the day, he'll do what you want. Kind of thing, you know. Am I am I wrong in that? Like that. Uh, I mean, they finished fifth last season and got beat four 0 in the European final. So, well, th- th- okay. This is <laughs> this is my point. Like up until a certain point, like I talked about how like. They literally gave away fourth place at the last, the last <laughs> eight, seven to eight games last season. There have been a lot of changes over the summer for Arsenal, and I'm not defending him per se. I'm just saying what I honestly think. I I think that he's fine. Like I I don't think that we should be calling for his head or anything like that. Oh, like great. Okay. Okay. Levels to fine though. He's that's a valid he's, point. He's, that's a very valid point. He's fine for Everton. West Ham. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, all right, all right. Where, where are we starting okay. this off? He's fine for Arsenal, but he might be like good for a Southampton or something. I agree. That's what I mean. But he he somehow made his way up through <laughs> the ranks of world football and and coaching, and so here he is in a tough spot where he has to kind of turn things around after this game. And I don't know if he's the number one person to do that. I would agree with you. Well, we'll see what happens yeah. this weekend. Who do Arsenal play this weekend? Arsenal are home to Crystal Palace this weekend. Classic. Um, I mean, I, I I would expect they actually probably pick up points. So, you know, there's always a reaction to bad performances and stuff. And <laughs> Some, Crystal, Sometimes bad well, performances. Yeah, yeah. In Tottenham's <laughs> case, it actually is just like worse performances. <laughs> but um, Crystal Palace is sitting in sixth right now. They... We'll, we'll get on to them. They got kind of battered by City. But, um, yeah, it'll be a tough game. I'm sure it'll be a tough game for Arsenal because they're, they're, it's impossible for them to actually have a, <laughs> a uh, game that's comfortable, really. Um, but who knows? Maybe we'll see Tierney and, and Bellerin come back, and maybe those guys will be the catalyst for us. Uh, for making them a much better attacking team, it's not going to make them better defensively. Um, and even so, it's, I personally don't believe it's going to make them that much better attacking unless they literally just adopt Liverpool's playing style. <laughs> but um, but we'll see. Um, they play, yeah. So they play Crystal Palace at home, and uh, Sheffield go away to West Ham. So 
Well, that's gonna be a shit tier game, but hey, uh, every game every game has its pros and cons. It has its pros and cons, but another team that did play Crystal Palace this past weekend was uh, Manchester City, former champions. Put, I mean, this is the definition of what we'd expect from City. I feel like from this game, um, I thought other than the center back pairing, other than the center back pairing, I think everything about this game was peak City. Um, I thought everything flowed very well. I thought um, their midfield. Did fine. Um, I, I thought they created a lot of chances really well. Um, I thought Sterling had a really good game. I'm trying to remember, Aguero did not start. It was Gabriel Jesus. Um, so Gabriel Jesus. I'm trying to think of how well he did. Score a goal. He, he did score. score. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he cries every time he doesn't score a goal. Yeah. Yeah. And he also obviously had one of the easiest assists just on his plate and. And just didn't pass it to, yeah. to, to uh, De Bruyne, who was legitimately like inside the six, and the goalie was <laughs> inside outside. the goal. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he literally did. It was crazy because he did. He did the uh, cut back, and it, and he gave him so much time to actually look up and see that De Bruyne was there, but yeah, he just yeah. never looked up and <laughs> took the shot. <laughs> so, That's so true. Um, so yeah, no. So but peak city, <laughs> peak, very peak, very peak. Yeah, um, yeah. and obviously De Bruyne being back. No, Huge boost. Yeah, you know, we talked. I, I talked about the fact that he's their most creative player. But even though in this game itself, he he actually, um, in terms of like expected assists and stuff, was was not uh, at the normal standard. But it opened up, you know, stuff for everyone else because he sat deeper in this game mostly. But uh, yeah, I got you. Got your thoughts on um, Fernando and Rodri. Uh, I don't think it's going to be I mean, something we're going to keep seeing because I think Rodri got injured yesterday. Not only did Rodri got, yeah, get injured, but Stones pretty much had to, to swing in and, and step up yeah. um, coming back from injury. They'll slowly start to get him back to full fitness. Uh, obviously, Laporte is miles away still. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> there's going to be... Mendy is is a player just <laughs> <laughs> and he's a body that can stand in the so, center back area. So you know, so is he. So is he <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a he's a someone. <laughs> yeah, and then, and I guess uh, I guess Pep just has no intentions of starting that. Uh, I think they had an eighteen year old center back on the bench for that game. He has no intentions of starting this guy. I guess so. I guess he's not. He's just not going to get a chance. Um, even they could be down to I guess at some point they'll just play like Sterling and De Bruyne back there. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, they'd be fast. They'd, they'd be half decent. Um, but no, I, this all fuels my personal theory that they're going to have to make a January signing for a center back. It just it, it's pointed that direction. I don't know who's going to be available in January. And granted, I don't think that player will be like a top top player because no one's going to sell off if they're starting center back in the middle of the season. Um, but they're, they're, they're going to have to like they need to reinforce this one way or another, especially if they want to compete down the home stretch, which will be very difficult. So they got some work to do, but this is a very dominant, dominant performance. And, and I think they, they probably could have had a couple more goals. Yeah, no, no, they destroyed them in terms of uh, just expected goals, 4.02 to 0.62. Right. So, you know, they um, yeah, it was it was this was more of the city that we expect. And we, we know that for the most part. 90 to 95% of the games their attack will be on um, and it's always the back that they have to worry about but uh, yeah this was it's what we expect it's what we expect from, from this team and um, I guess we'll just see going forward how they finagle that back line pretty much <laughs> um, yeah so 
Next up for them, uh, City, I believe, is home. Um, they are home to Aston Villa, so that should be an interesting game. Should be a blowout. Um, we'll, see, we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. If uh, I'm sure, Jack Grealish might like his chances if Otamendi's yeah. back there. Yeah, that's um, actually fair. Yeah, so they so they're home to Aston Villa, and then uh, like we said, Crystal Palace goes away to Arsenal. So. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. So that's going to be two specifically very interesting games. Um, not anything unexpected in, in terms of what we would expect out of a result, but we'll see what happens there. And I think wrapping up the, uh, <laughs> I guess the the Premier League side of things here, Chelsea and Leicester competing for practically third place. <laughs> The third and fourth that you expected before the season. Uh, <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, Leicester <laughs> City, that is still being led by Jamie Vardy, who scored against Burnley after uh, Burnley's fans were were making some chants about uh, Jamie Vardy's wife. <laughs> and he scored and then immediately ran over to the Burnley fan section and cupped his hands to his ears. <laughs> it was just peak. You know, obviously Tom Foolery. Yeah, great. I mean, great you, you chat shit, you get banged. <laughs> Sorry, that's the rules, Bernard. That is, yeah. Um, and then uh, Chelsea getting a good win against. Well, I mean, I guess it, all levels of good win, but you know, a a win um, against Newcastle. Granted, it was only one nil. They they could have scored a couple goals um, and were never really threatened defensively by uh, Newcastle. Newcastle went there and. Played very well defensively in the first in the first half, um, just to kind of keep Chelsea at bay. Uh, somewhat blessing in disguise. I do not ever wish for injuries, but uh, Ross Barkley getting injured in like the fifteenth minute stop, and and, and Kovacic having and Kovacic <laughs> coming on was absolutely what the team needed. They actually needed someone who um, has at least some sort of footballing IQ. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> knows what to do on the pitch, but uh, yeah, it was a good win for them. Uh, Pulisic came on the last twenty minutes and was very positive and uh, was very integral in the build-up to Marcus Alonso's goal. After that, uh, the big question now: these two teams sitting in third and fourth, uh, tied on points. Leicester has a better goal difference. Um, 17 points, third and fourth, fifth place is Arsenal in 15th, Tottenham sitting in seventh with 12 <laughs> points. I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> um, who's the third best team in the Premier League, at least? Because you already know who I think it is. I've been saying it for the last two to three weeks. Do you, two, do you two really two want my real answer? Because in t- Right I- now, third best team in the league. Third best team, not third best in talent, because we already know talent-wise. Okay. Who is the third best team in the league right now? Who's playing like the third best team in the league? Those are like three different questions, but I'll try and I'll try and answer in the context Who's of the it. third best team yes. form-wise. Chelsea. For me it's easy. I think on form, Chelsea by far. No, but, but I would just also project. Project, oh, project forward. If I had to choose a third best team in England for the next month, per se. Yeah, let's say let's okay. say let's say through to Christmas. Through to Christmas, yeah. Arsenal. That's my third best team. I think they could be the team that still finished third. I think their schedule is tough rounding out the year, but I, I 
At the same time, I don't know how much I trust Chelsea to always get it done week in, week out. I don't trust Arsenal to do that, but I'm I, right now... Six I, straight wins in all competitions. Yes, six straight wins, and they've looked good, but I don't know if they can continue that until the end of the year. I think that Arsenal are the type of team to lose this type of game, go on a run, lose another game, go on a run, and kind of have that be a repetitive cycle. Chelsea, what you could get out of them, in my opinion, is a run of a couple more games where they win, but then all of a sudden, if they face any sort of adversity, ad- Ah, that what's the word? Adversity. Adversity, adversity. not adversity. You're a college educated man. <laughs> I, I, I did get a degree. <laughs> um, but yes, if they face anything like that, I think that that could open a can of worms. And I'm not sure what would happen after that. I have faith in them to win most games that they play right now. But I don't know in terms of long term, say until Christmas, how they're going to look. So I, I'm very interested to see. Um, you know how that goes. I mean, they picked up a big win today, obviously, so that was huge for morale. So maybe I could be proven wrong. But in terms of what I could see the third best team being by Christmas, Arsenal, right now, I think Chelsea. Okay. Is that fair? Um, I mean, you can disagree, but. <laughs> until today, Ajax had not lost a single game in the season and had not been held to zero goals at home all season. So. I think that should be the answer. That, that, oh I think God. that's All right, well, pretty obvious. <laughs> but this is I respect a, your opinion. This is not the Champions League podcast, but I get I get what you're getting at. You did prove me wrong in what I thought would be a much better game from Ajax, but you know that's a separate issue. We'll talk about that later. Yes, but. and um, <laughs> just I. Just we can't forget about you, Tottenham. I'm sorry. Almost, <laughs> you, you almost thought we almost <laughs> forgot about you. So you're so. Relevant in my mind at this point. <laughs> I actually almost forgot about you guys. Um, they drew at home to Watford and scored on on you know a goalkeeping error. And then what we've seen called handball in the last during the whole season was not called on that day for God knows why. And also Delfeu getting obviously tripped and you know. The, there's no point of having the VAR for penalties if they're just not gonna like use it, use it at all. Really, like they're they're using it. I'm still so confused because I keep seeing that they actually do have the screens on the side, but they're just refusing to use them. I yeah. don't understand it. It makes zero sense. But whatever. Uh, Tottenham. Uh, I don't, I don't, feel, I don't this, like, this is I the don't, one. This is is this the one that turns your season around? Getting a late. Draw against twentieth place Watford, who have yet to win a game. Still, this, is, this might be the one. This is, I think this might be the one that turns the season around. I really think it is. This is the same team as in Watford. That this is the same professional team. I'm sorry, that got beat eight nothing by City. That's ridiculous. Like I, uh, I don't even. I, let me put it this way: We spent 15 minutes or something like that last week going over Tottenham. We're spending less than two minutes on them. I, I don't have anything. There's to say. nothing else new. There's, There's nothing no, new. Everything from last week is still applicable. They're still applicable today. absolutely horrible defending the wings. Danny Rose is, I guess, auditioning to be in the championship next season at this rate. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But hey, like I said, this might be the one that jump starts the season. Uh, they did go on to win 5-0 against, uh, let me check here, Red Star Belgrade. So, you know, maybe that was the one that, that kickstarts the season and they'll go and fumble, fucking butt fumble their way into, into like, a point <laughs> against Liverpool this weekend. What, what would be the, like, soccer equivalent of a butt fumble? 
Like an own goal, I guess? Like, yeah, I guess an own goal off the face, I feel oh, like. Oh, yeah, that, that's an good. Own goal. I, I, I'll say this. You're trying to clear it. You're trying to clear as a defender, and you kick it into your own face, and, <laughs> and then, then it goes, goes in. The goal. That, I think yeah. that's I think that's the equivalent of butt fumble. Yeah, that <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> anyway, well, that kind of wraps up the Premier League side of things. We'll be back in a couple of seconds with the La Liga side. All right, we are back on the overlap, talking a little bit of La Liga this time around. So. We're going to start off with, again, what the title of this podcast is, The Big Boys Dropping Big Points. Real Madrid, at the start of the, I believe it was the 10th match day of the season, maybe it was, no, it was the 9th match day of the season, um, they were first in the league. They were, uh, they were doing well. They had, well, 18 points, and they still have 18 points because they went all the way to Mallorca, and uh, they dropped a stinker and lost 1-0, and... After the Barcelona result, which we'll get to in a bit, um, they are now second in the table and no longer first. And that was one of the only times they've been first in the table for quite a long time. So um, where, where, do we, where do I even start? Like, where, this team is so hot and cold. I like I don't know what to make of it anymore. Like every time I look at their midfield, I think of I think. I think I try to think of what, like, what is going through Zidane's head. Like every morning when he wakes up and goes to training, it's like he wants to do new things with, the, with this midfield. You have Fede Valverde, you have Modric, you have Isco, you have James, you have Tony Cruz. Like that's kind of it. <laughs> like that's that's it. They're they're all good players in in their own right, but. Really, the standout player from this entire midfield that, well, I should mention that actually played um, specifically on, I believe it was Saturday. Um, yeah, they played on Saturday. Of, of all the people that shined, Fede Valverde is really going to be the one that st- stands out because they started James, Isco, and Casemiro. And Casemiro was all right. Casemiro was fine. Like, like, Casemiro is a solid defensive midfielder, in my yes. opinion. I I will maintain that he does his job well. He does his job very well. Yes, I agree. With He's that. having to cover a lot. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Be fair. He has to cover a lot because here's the problem: Isco and James are purely attacking players. James more so than Isco, I think. They're both interior midfielders that can play a hybrid of the ten eight role. I think Isco is better at the eight role. I think James is better at the ten role. And when you put both of them on the pitch. In theory, it should work because if you have two strikers in Luka Jovic and Karim Benzema that are starting, who both started this game, mm-hmm. and you put Hamas in behind them, that should work in theory. But it doesn't work because they still kind of take up the same position. When Isco advances, Hamas doesn't drop. When Hamas advances, Isco is pretty much stagnant. And we kind of saw that in this game where they. They kind of left Benzema and Jovic to create their own chances. They left them out on islands rather than helping them out in the final phases of the attack. They were able to get the ball to them. I'll give them that because they had overlapping runs from Marcelo and from Vinicius. Um, but it just it wasn't enough. Like you connected, they did like two thirds of the job and then left the other third up to chance. And this is the result of leaving it up to chance. Is that you? I mean, Kareem Benzema hit the post, and there was there were chances, right? I don't know what their expected goals were in this game. Yes, yeah, so for yeah, no, no, but 
it's just to get to that. You're right. Again, it's the again, it's the whole. Uh, are they creating chances? They're really not. So they, they have 14 shots in this game. Right. But only four on target. And their expected goals was 0.81. <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're still not creating high quality chances. They, they, they had a few shots in the box, right? But, you know, it's not, it's not enough. Nothing, like nothing clear cut. It's not, not enough. These are their half chances at best. Um, and just, you know. This is this is not the team that we expect to be having so much trouble creating chances, and like Benzema's not going to bail them out every week. He, no, you know, he's fantastic. But he's you can't you can't expect him to just do everything. No, and he's he's not that player. But I think the, this game really changed when two things happened. Uh, Valverde came on, and I think he did a very good job of. of bring some sort of energy to his midfield and he was the one actually instead of Hamas and Isco that was able to connect more with, with Benzema and Jovic and I think he kind of is starting to cement himself a little bit in this midfield I mean he started midweek against Galatasaray in Istanbul uh, which is obviously a huge win for them um, but also when Andrea Zola got sent off then they, they kind of did this panic thing where they realized oh shit it's the 75th 74th minute whatever it was and we need to actually push on. And it was kind of at that moment that you saw things click and you you kind of thought maybe this is the Real Madrid that could get back into it, squeak out that goal, and then maybe push on to win the game in the final minutes. But it it still wasn't enough. Like, Mallorca hung in there, and Mallorca obviously being a team that is just promoted from the Segunda, they're, they're going to want to put pretty much everything they have in front of Real Madrid, and they did that very, very well. So I'm... Credit to them. Famous win. Yeah. Oh, incredible win for them. Like, huge morale boost, but this is still a team that's 15th in the table after this win. So it's not... It's not like they, you know, really are a good team. I'm hesitant to say that they're a bad team because I think they played really well during this game, but... Man, Real Madrid are so hot and cold, and then they go to whatever Galatasaray, and then they win away, which is notoriously an Achilles heel for them in the past. So, it, this team—I don't know what to make of this team. Still, I really don't. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, I, <laughs> I, I really don't. They're—it's so odd. I mean, they're—they're actually—they're very good. Def- they're very good defensively, actually, right? But you know, they, they're just having trouble creating chances, which is. Just something you never think that, you, that would be a problem for um, Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, they're still struggling with the same problems that we saw last year. And honestly, if they hadn't won this past week at Galatasaray, they may have been looking at not making the the knockout round. Yeah, no, the they absolutely League. needed to win that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and obviously they did, and they probably will make the knockout rounds. But still, this is. It's just a weird season for them once again, and I, I don't think that this is going to end very well for, for Zidane um, at the end of the season. I, I, don't, I still maintain that I don't think he'll be there by the end of the season, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's not up to me. It's up to uh, the big man Florentino Perez, and uh, I'm not his biggest fan, so I'm not one to comment on that. But with that, we'll go ahead and move on to the Ibar Barcelona game. This is probably one of my favorite games of the season so far for Barcelona. I think this was our best away performance of the season. Obviously, Messi, Suarez, and Griezmann all getting on the score sheet um, with the final score of 3-0. That's going to take a lot of the the press, but I think the important part is how the whole team gelled. There were a lot of times where 
we were able to expose Ibar defensively. I think you saw that, especially on the first goal, Griezmann's goal, where there was a ball over the top practically through the channel uh, from Longley on the left-hand side, which is where Griezmann should not be playing, but that's another thing I'm going to get to. And we kind of exposed the the fullbacks of Ibar very well, and I thought that was done um, consistently throughout the game. I thought the midfield flowed incredibly well. I thought... Artur and, and Frankie, once again, had great games. Um, they're figuring it out. They're, they're figuring out the, that midfield combo. Yeah, their mid, the midfield combo is my least concerning part. I do think that we need to rotate a little bit more and, and rest, especially Frankie, because, I mean, yes, he's 22, and, 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 like, he can run and he has that youth, but you don't want him to pick up an injury. You don't want him to, to run him ragged. Like, that's not the goal here, so... I think that he does need some rest. Um, the Classico not being this weekend might be some well-needed rest, um, especially from the national break and everything. But, yeah, he's looking incredible. Like, he's been playing for this team for years, um, and I'm not worried about that. What's interesting to me is two things. One, we kept a clean sheet, which has been something that we had been struggling with at the beginning of the season. Two, it's not because we relied on Ter Stegen, which I think is the most important thing. And it's even more interesting that PK, who was suspended for this game, um, doesn't or didn't start and didn't play in this game. And it was Samuel and Titi coming back from injury, uh, paired with Longley, obviously two Frenchmen in defense. They this this is and for me the best defensive showing of the season. And I think it's I think it's very telling that PK was not in the mix. I think he had an incredible season last season. I think he's had a shaky start to this season, but to be able to play the way they did defensively and not have to rely on Ter Stegen just making saves like they did in today's Champions League game, I think that's a much better story to tell than one of being run ragged and you know relying on one individual to, to bail them out. Yeah. I, you know, my, my, one of my notes on this game is, well, yes, you got a, you got a Griezmann goal and seemingly things were... Um, more fluid than usual, I guess, with, with the three up top. You still you look at Griezmann's heat map. He, he got the majority of his touches on the left wing by the, uh, by the uh, halfway line. And then second, <laughs> second most touches about 20 to 30 yards further back. And they're basically in the left back position. So they still have to figure that out. It's, I mean, he, he might be very effective there, and I guess maybe he just becomes a much less important player on a team like this and becomes more of, I guess, a two-way player and, and don't rely on the, of the attacking. But it would be really sad to see him just become, like... Uh, basically a utility player yeah. <laughs> at that point. Right? He's, he's, he's a starter. He's pretty, pretty, like at that point, if he's, that's where the majority of his touches are. He's, that's just a squad player. That's not, that's not something you're starting every week and making a big difference for you. Right. right. Um, so that's still, that's still a concern for me going forward. But, you know, I, I'm very encouraged by the midfield that, that, that they're figuring that out. Um, it's good to see that, that uh, Frankie De Jong is, Settling in more and and definitely starting to dictate play a bit more too. So 
Um, it's fun. It's fun to see. I'm, I'm happy that he's doing well. Yeah, yeah. I'm really happy with generally how the team played this past weekend. Um, this today was was a different story, but we'll go ahead and move on to Atletico because this is one of the more interesting storylines from this past weekend. Is Atletico and Valencia, um, two very good teams, coming up against each other at I believe it was at the Wanda. Yeah, it was at the Wanda. Um, and Atletico. What, like what are you doing? Come on, man! Like this is this is a, a a game that you should be winning, especially at home. If you if you are aspiring to win the league, these are the games that you have to win. You're gonna have to go away to Valencia and play them at Mestalla, which is not a place that you want to go and try and have to win three points. But this is a game that if you wanted to stay in competition with with. Barcelona, Real Madrid, and currently Granada in third, then you absolutely have to pick up points here. Because if you had, then you would have been tied for second with Real Madrid and probably above them on... I mean, no, actually, they wouldn't be above them on, on goal differential. But still, you would be in the running. Now you're in fifth, right? And granted, you're three points off the top, but I don't... I, I'm not encouraged by how I was at the beginning of the season in terms of their performances, and even more so their results. Like, Simeone pretty much called out Morata recently for for his lack of, you know, contribution. Not directly, but it was kind of telling, and it doesn't help that João Felix had to go off in this game, too. Yeah, yeah, he gets, he gets injured in this game, um, and I believe the prognosis is, uh, I think, November 6th. Early November is, uh, like is supposed to be the timetable of him coming back, so that's so that's unfortunate to see. But like you said, it's I think we said this a few weeks ago. They're still not good enough in terms of chance creation, right? They're sitting first in terms of uh, expected goals allowed, and um, they're still one of the top teams in terms of actual goals allowed too. They're, they're only allowed five goals. It's tied for first, but. Expected, sorry, not expected goals. Um, in terms of actual goals, they scored eight. <laughs> They're not having nice. a game, right? And on top of that, um, they're sitting eighth in terms of expected goals. So it's still not good enough attacking wise. And and you know, you hope that that they would be creating more chances. And and it was encouraging at the beginning of the season to see them picking up points when you didn't think. They should be, and just finding ways to win. And it's still early; it's only nine games, so you know it still might be a, a transition period. There was a lot, like we talked about, a lot of turnover um, over the summer, so it could still be a gelling period for them. Um, but you know, it's like I said, just not good enough uh, attacking wise. It doesn't seem like Simeone's tried to spark or tried. To something different in terms of um, the team's attack, right? So yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. And I think that with their midfield, they should be creating more chances. A perfect example of where they could have slash should have created more chances, the Madrid Derby. That was a perfect place to showcase yeah, it. Absolutely. They missed out a lot on that. But I, I don't know what it is with this team. I, I feel like they're falling back into the identity of what they were under Simeone prior to the summer. And it's not what's going to get them the league like it did in 2013-2014. I think that they are a better team than they're currently showing, and they have the players to do it. But they need to figure out from a structural perspective. Not Their mentality is great. Their fire and fight is whatever. Like That's Simeone. I don't ever doubt that. But they need to structurally tinker a little bit more with this, midf- with this uh, midfield specifically. And I think that if they 
emphasize more of the four three three four three three that they had in preseason, then I think that this could be a team that could start to challenge. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. He's got he's got to try something new. I it's probably maybe too late. It's you know you have to do the stuff during the summer to really right, get your team ready right. for that. So more likely than not, he he won't do much to change that. But you know, it might be just something that takes time. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of of weeks. Barcelona don't play Atletico um, until December 1st, I believe. Um, so João Felix will certainly be back for that. But it'll be cracking to see, um, I guess, what will now be Atletico Barcelona on December 1st and then uh, the Clasico on December 18th, so all within a month. Um, so December and I guess the end of November as well uh, will be very, very entertaining. So... That kind of wraps up the top three um, for La Liga or those Spanish teams. I do want to shout out Real Betis for absolutely throwing away uh, their game of the weekend against Real Sociedad. <laughs> Once again, Real Sociedad, a shining young team that's been doing really, really well. They're now up into fourth um, in the league, and they've been showing their quality through Martin Odegaard, um, Alex Isaac as well. Um, Isaac? Isaac? Uh, I mean, he's Eritrean uh, slash Swedish, um, so I should probably know that. But, yeah, um, they've been doing really well, so they ended up winning that game 3-1 after being down 1-0. So shout-out to them, and um, we'll see what uh, what happens the rest of the way. So with that, is there anything you wanted to uh, to mention there? Um, no, I think, I think we're all good there. Uh, as always, uh, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to us on on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, we will always greatly appreciate if you're able to leave us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for giving it a listen, and we will be back with the Champions League review soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.